，享受工作，乐生活。就算不在办公室，也能从容应对线上会议。HP Dragonfly 透过专业的 HP Presence 设计，内建降噪及会议快速键，搭配清晰的 Ben and Olufsen 音效，增强音讯及视讯功能。HP Dragonfly 顶级商务笔电，采用 Windows 11专业版。让您在会议中享有最佳的视觉和听觉品质。Taiwan's missile defense system in Pingtung County was deployed on Saturday when Chinese fighter jets flew to within 44 kilometers of Taiwan's main island. On Sunday, the defense ministry confirmed the incident, but one retired Air Force general says the military should be more active and send Taiwan's own fighters on regular patrols in the Taiwan Strait. Meanwhile, one military analyst says China's saber rattling will only result in greater international support for Taiwan, thereby defying Beijing's threatening rhetoric. Taiwan's domestically produced Skybo-3 long-range air defense missiles have a range of approximately 200 kilometers. On Saturday, launch vehicles for those missiles appeared on the streets of Hangchun in Pingtung County after Chinese military aircraft came within 44 kilometers of Taiwan's shoreline. Starting at around 8 a.m. on Saturday, the National Defense Ministry detected 19 sorties by various Chinese military aircraft, including the J-10, the J-16, and others. Eight of the sorties crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait and came within 44 kilometers of Taiwan's shoreline. There were also five Chinese military vessels involved in combat readiness drills and patrols. According to a trajectory map released by the Defense Ministry, a total of eight Chinese J-10 fighter jets crossed the median line of the Taiwan Strait on Saturday, coming within 44 kilometers of Taiwan proper. In Taipei, New Taipei, Jilong, Taoyuan, and Ilan, there are no dedicated military airbases. No fighter jets are permanently stationed there, and no military aircraft on standby alert. If you just rely on anti-aircraft missiles for tracking and monitoring, the effectiveness is very limited. In the future, we should send four F-16s or four Mirage 2000s or IDFs every month to Jingmen and Matsu Islands on patrol as a show of power. We should also send our drones. We would cross the median line of the Strait for reconnaissance and patrols. As soon as a PLA plane enters our training airspace. We would respond by sending planes to intercept it. The retired official said Taiwan's military must take a more active defense posture, citing increased tensions in the Taiwan Strait that have even garnered the concern of the U.S. The U.S.'s National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2024 mentions the establishment of a comprehensive training, advising, and institutional capacity-building program for the military forces of Taiwan. It also calls for American and Taiwanese officials to conduct appropriate exchanges and to expand cooperation in military cybersecurity. The 2024 National Defense Authorization Act includes a great number of items that support Taiwan. Chinese leader Xi Jinping has expressed dissatisfaction over the bill, which may likely lead to Chinese military intimidation. However, the bill is proof that Chinese threats conversely result in greater international support for Taiwan, which means Beijing loses more than it gains. China continues to react aggressively toward any acts of support for Taiwan, but the more threatening China becomes, the more support Taiwan gains from the international community. 
Vice President and the DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde attended a campaign event on Sunday in New Taipei with over 1,000 supporters in attendance. Other DPP senior members were also on hand, including Legislative Speaker Yeo Shikun and former Premier Su Jin Chang. Up on stage, Lai shouted that he was ready for the campaign and asked the people of New Taipei to support him. Not only is New Taipei Lai's hometown, but it's also where his rival Ho Yo Yi serves as mayor. As his supporters at the event boosted his morale, Lai took the opportunity to criticize his rival Ke Wenzhe. Responding to a previous suggestion by Ke that talks on the controversial cross-strait service trade agreement with China would be restarted, Lai said Ke was out of touch with international developments adding that the current global trade climate is very different from that of the past when the CSSTA was first discussed. Today we take you to meet two Californians who opened a vegan restaurant in Taiwan. Mai Bok and Spencer Hudson served up vegan burgers, rice bowls and smoothies and more. These meals are a mixture of Californian, Mexican and Vietnamese influences. Although they were successful in the first few years of opening the restaurant, the couple went through many hardships during the pandemic and even considered closing up shop. Our very own Stephanie Yang met up with the couple to find out more. First up is this fiesta bowl. Inside, there's chipotle portobello and shiitake. Mexican-style edamame mash, zucchini, baby corn, pico de gallo, and sour cream. If you're craving a burger, there's this sunny-side burger filled with yuba vegan egg, kale, pesto, lettuce, tomato, and sour cream. These are some of the most popular dishes at this vegan restaurant in Taipei. For us, our mission, like I said, is not to convert everyone to going vegan. It's to actually educate and empower people that there is a different way to eat and you can actually start adopting it into your life and it will make a huge impact. And so I think that's the first thing people can do is like if you feel some kind of you know want that you want to contribute, like start looking at your diet first. And then you can start talking about like plastics and like, you know, energy and all these kind of things. I'm explicitly Californian. Uh, you can kind of see little speckled things in there of Mexican uh, inspiration and some of the Vietnamese inspiration, both large communities in Southern California. Yeah. Um, our tendency to want to use avocados, <laughs> pico de gallo. But uh, otherwise, it's, it's a meld, just like you know our lives have been very international. Bach and Hudson are the founders of this vegan restaurant. After meeting during university at UCLA, the two stayed in Los Angeles, where Mai worked for Hollywood publicist. After a few years of working, they decided to go on a life-changing six-month trip in Asia. Before the trip, Mai read a book and decided to go vegan. After traveling for six months, the two landed in Taiwan, where they taught English and originally planned to stay short-term. However, they quickly fell in love with Taiwan and decided to stay longer. In 2013, they launched their first vegan restaurant in Taiwan. I read a book right before we went backpacking called Eating Animals, and he refused to read it because he already could hear the stories that I was recounting to him, and they were already affecting him so much that he's just like, I don't need to read it. But after I read the book, I could not 
think about me, eat me, like it would just cause me to come into tears. So I quickly made the decision that I didn't want to eat any more animal products right before we went backpacking. And when we came back to Taiwan, it was really difficult to find convenient spaces to find, like, to really understand and know where your food was coming from. The couple was greatly successful in the first few years of opening the restaurant, but they went through quite a hurdle during the pandemic. They closed their flagship restaurant and at one point even considered closing all their other stores. They pushed through the hardship and made several changes to their business model by food delivery and takeout. The changes because people couldn't come in, um, but there were some systemic changes that lasted beyond just COVID. So one of the biggest changes was that food delivery became the way people ate. Yeah. We had months where like tomatoes quadrupled in price. I mean, obviously typhoons and things impact yeah. that, but food had crept up significantly. So you have that, you have commission, and you have COVID. So it just became, there isn't really a way of dealing with it, just survive it. The way to deal with it was for us to close our most expensive Place. Yeah. The, the takeout thing was so crushing for me because you know we always tried to minimize our like packaging in, like our footprint and so trying to find like alternatives constantly and you know seeing what's out there is really disheartening and then it's not just us then thinking about the macro picture of like these businesses have to survive and everyone is just kind of having to go all in on takeout. After persevering through hardship during the pandemic, the couple is brimming with hope. They hope to continue creating innovative and tasty vegan meals, create long-lasting change in the world, and educate more people about the benefits of veganism. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Lee Hunt in Taipei. The 2023 rankings of nearly 1,800 universities around the globe by the Times Higher Education magazine have come out, and Taiwan did not get a high score. Only three of Taiwan's top universities are in the top 100, and two of the three, National Taiwan University and National Tsinghua University, have seen their positions drop significantly over the past 10 years. Some are worried that Taiwan's top students will decide to study abroad instead of staying in the country to pursue higher learning. In the category of Asia University Rankings under the Times Higher Education World University Rankings, National Taiwan University has dropped from last year's 21st place down to its current 29th place. If we look at it in a positive light, this indicator can certainly help us understand the performance of various universities around the world with various quantitative data. But these statistics also have their limitations. The indicators may not be able to reflect the value that universities have in promoting social progress. Not just NTU, but National Yangming Tong University is now at 85th place, National Tsinghua University at 95th place, and National Changgong University has dropped out of the top 100, landing at 159th place. The rankings of Taiwan's top universities have all gone south, reflecting the woes in local higher education. I think there are more opportunities overseas, so you're not confined to Taiwan. Another reason for going abroad is that it can be used as a springboard so that you can have work opportunities in America. I want to better understand Taiwan and I want to put it in a larger structure and in a bigger map so I can see it more clearly. 
I also want to know other people's views and how they see Taiwan. That's why I decided to leave Taiwan, so the ranking was not a deciding factor for me. Many Taiwanese students who study abroad say that the bigger job market and the more liberal environment overseas are the reasons behind their decision to study abroad, and that university rankings are not so important. So why have Taiwan's universities fallen behind others? Experts say that unlike the top institutions overseas, Taiwan's universities cater mostly to undergraduates and lack graduate students who conduct research. This has led to the less than stellar evaluations of their research capacities. Before I came abroad, I thought university rankings were very important. But after I came here, I realized that the rankings, especially the overall rankings, are not that important. I don't think the drop in rankings will have much impact on students studying in Taiwan. They should try and create an open atmosphere within their limited resources there in Taiwan so that foreign students with various backgrounds would be willing to go there and even Taiwan's own minority groups would be willing to stay there for study. National Taiwan University has responded that it would continue to work hard to make improvements. It said it would advocate that the evaluation of universities should not only be based on the number of research papers produced and how much influence those papers have. Evaluations should also be based on a school's efforts toward talent cultivation, teaching and research, as well as the contributions of its alumni to society. With the scorching heat of the last few days, the number of heat-related illnesses has been on the rise. The Ministry of Health says there have been 276 reported cases of heat injury in the last two weeks, and they involved mostly older adults. Doctors are reminding the public to be sure to stay hydrated when heading outside. Indeed, there have been many cases. When climate conditions are extreme like this, the symptoms of cardiovascular diseases will also worsen. No matter which aspect you look at, older adults' metabolism and circulation are very poor, and older people usually deal with problems such as metabolic syndrome, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and high blood sugar levels. Don't work or exercise for too long in an environment that is too hot or too humid. You should stay in the shade or someplace cool and have enough drinking water to maintain a balance between the water and electrolytes in your system. Besides staying hydrated when being outdoors, doctors recommend using an umbrella with UV protection to prevent exposure to direct sunlight so as to cut down on the risk of heat-related illnesses. Today in our Spotlight story, we meet a mixed-media artist couple, Chiu Jie-sun and Margot Gilmott. After the couple met at a university in Gilmott's native France, the two decided to relocate to Taiwan to work. Many of their works explore urban landscapes and redefine geographical and temporal boundaries. Our reporter Stephanie Yang caught up with the duo to find out more about their works. Nestled in the second floor of this 40-year-old factory is an artist's studio filled with artworks in various mediums. This is the workspace of Margot Gilma and her husband, Chou Jie-sen. Maybe it's Taoyuan itself because it is the main subject. 
This piece, an attempt at exhausting an unknown place, was created by Gilma in 2014. She spent four years making ink drawings of Taoyuan's cityscape and street life by referencing Google Street Views. After compiling the drawings, a huge comic with an area of 79 A4 sheets of paper is revealed. It tells the story of life in Taoyuan. Gilma says it was quite a difficult project because it was created in France before she had ever been to Taiwan. The piece inspired her to launch her career as a professional artist here. It looks like a comic that shows us the everyday life of Taoyuan's um, city and streets, and that was something that was very interesting for me because I felt that. The street life and the street organization is very different from the one I see I was seeing every day in France. So it's something that I felt very inspiring. A recent work created by Gilma and her husband Cho is this installation, a home of one's own. It is constructed with a foundation of suitcases, which symbolize the experiences of immigrants leaving their home countries. The LED lights depict Taipei's 12 districts. Gilma said that although she didn't have much difficulty integrating in Taiwan, she did have some trouble learning Mandarin. However, after living in Taiwan for six years, her Mandarin has greatly improved. French, we have a saying that is "poser ses bagages," which means uh, put our luggage down. It means decide decided to leave somewhere. <laughs> When I put my, my luggage down, means like arrived uh, at home, <laughs> and I decided to dingju to. Um, decide to live in, in a place. So this is one of the inspirations. I had help from from Jason along the way to understand some kind of translate things, but also translate the way of living uh, in Taiwan. I would say that the process of living, coming and living in Taiwan, integrate into Taiwanese society, have been quite smooth. But indeed, the language was quite a big learning curve. So I went from. Maybe knowing how to say hello and goodbye, maybe count a few numbers to the Chinese level I, I have today. Gilma was born in Ireland and lived there till she was five. After that, she moved back to France and eventually graduated with a Master of Fine Arts in the south of France. She met her husband Cho in university. The two fell in love and made plans to move back to Taiwan. After visiting once, the country and its landscapes quickly grew on Gilma, and she decided to call it home. She said lots of her artworks were inspired by the Taiwanese cities she had visited. I fell in love with the country. And I felt that uh, the cityscape and the urban environment of Taiwan really helped me in my artwork and in my work. So I, I, had, I found a lot of inspiration and of tough idea uh, in the environment, environment in the city environment in Taiwan. Her husband Cho creates works that has to do with maps, memory, spaces, and historical documents. He transforms his experiences regarding human footprints and thought processes into art. The two currently live in Taoyuan with their one-year-old son Louis. They rented their own studio space in Xinzhou, where they work on projects together. Most of my artwork center on maps and how people look at maps, which is such a simple action, but in fact involves many abstraction processes. What I am interested in is identifying what is lost during the process of abstraction. It's not easy for Margot and many foreigners to make a life in Taiwan. We wondered if there was a way for the two of us to work and grow together in Taiwan. 
We usually work together and are together and we have a child now. That is why we've set up a studio that allows us to combine our life and work. We try to find a balance in the studio. I use my artwork to actually understand the place I'm living in. <laughs> so through technologies, through images, through digital images and different perspective because my own eye, my own body into space and I can go and walk into space and make uh, observations but at the same time I can use other uh, technology, technology devices also to take images maybe from the sky with drones or maybe from uh, cameras that can go higher than me etc etc. Gilma is currently pursuing her PhD in Taiwan and hopes to continue exploring contemporary digital technology and art. She says her goal is to continue mastering her craft and mentor younger artists. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Gong Zhong Yi in Xinzhou, 